Hey everyone! For the next few weeks, we're going to be re-airing some of our favorite guest episodes. We'll be back with new episodes soon. Enjoy! Welcome to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne, a fitness and nutrition podcast for normal people who want to be more awesome. If you have trouble deciding between Just One More Cupcake and Just One More Kettlebell Swing, this is the podcast for you. I'm Joanna Shaw-Flam, and normally our show is co-hosted by Daphne Yang, but she is off this week because I am talking to a special guest who I'm going to introduce momentarily. Uh, And before we get started, remember to talk to your doctor or medical practitioner before starting any workout or nutrition plan. Uh, And also, uh, this is a very special episode because we have a guest, uh, and it's also the first time I've ever interviewed a guest over Skype, which is going to like drastically increase the number of cool people we can have on the show. So if you like the show, uh, please rate us on iTunes. It makes a big difference. Uh, We want to know what you like, what you don't like, uh, and giving us a great rating on iTunes helps people find the show, uh, which helps us do more shows. So uh, go on to that iTunes or Apple Podcasts or whatever you're using and, and give us a rating. We really appreciate it. All right, now to the good stuff. Uh, my guest today is Alicia DeFabio. Say hi, Alicia. Hey, hi, everyone. Hi, Joanna. <laughs> um, and uh, Alicia is here because she wrote a book called Women Who Try, A Reluctant Athlete's Journey into the Heart of America's Newest Obsession, uh, which is triathlons. And uh, so I'm super excited to have Alicia on the show. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> Oh, thanks for having me. I am really excited as well. Um, So can you tell us a little bit, um, just to start out, about who you are and how you uh, came to be writing this book? Sure. So I I didn't start out as a writer, and I wasn't a athlete at all, let alone a triathlete, and it was certainly nothing I ever wanted to do or thought I could do. You sound like um, what we would call a normal person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably like not even normal, like <laughs> it was exercise phobic. I just didn't even want to like walk fast. So, um, so I, I, I went to school for psychology. I got my doctorate degree in psychology. I was working. I certainly loved writing, but I never thought of myself as a writer. I never went to school for writing, and I didn't think of myself as an athlete and never thought I would do anything athletic. And then, like like life always is, you know, you, you think your life's going to unfold one way. Next thing I know, I have a book about triathlon. <laughs> so, and I did one on top of it. Mm-hmm. So the uh, I was in my early 40s, mm-hmm. and I we my husband and I had recently relocated to southern New Jersey, and I didn't know anybody. We were hours away from family. Uh, I didn't have any friends. He worked very long hours, and I had four children, three of which I had in a three-and-a-half-year span. So wow. I had all little ones who weren't in school yet. They were, mm-hmm. you know, so... And I worked really hard at building a social network. And one of the people in that social network, we we would get together for book clubs and things of that nature, started talking about how she kind of wanted to do a triathlon. So she's talking to us about this, and I'm thinking what is she nuts? Like, you know, she's a mom. She's, you know, she was younger than I was. She was in, in her, in her early to mid thirties. Um, you know, she worked. I, I just was kind of thinking, eh, I, I, nobody's going to want to do that with her. She'll, she'll, she'll just do that by herself. She'll do one and she's, she's done with it. But every time I got together with her and every time I heard her talking, 
you know, she was getting more and more excited about it, more and more interested in it. And she found a few other women who also wanted to do triathlon as well. And they ended up forming a club. And the club was, I, I ended up moving into a town called Mullica Hill, very small town, st- very farmy, little vineyards, um, little cute coffee shops. You know, it's not a thriving metropolis. It's not anywhere you would think would be, you know, the mecca of triathlon. <laughs> right. But <laughs> but it, this little club started with four, you know, women who wanted to pull some other women into the sport and had a kickoff meeting and they thought maybe 10, 15 people would come. Almost 100 women came. Whoa. And, yeah. <laughs> And at the end of their first, then they formed, you know, a real legit club. And they, at the end of their first year, they had maybe 120 members. Second year had 480. This is all female. <laughs> um, third year, 675. And by 2014, they had their biggest membership ever, which was 940 women. So when you first encountered this triathlon club and the, the growth of the club, um, were you excited about it? Were you sort of overwhelmed by it? I mean, it seems like sort of an over, like it would be like if you were in high school and all of a sudden all of your friends joined bobsled, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's a great, that's a great analogy. Yeah. I, um, well, not only was I not someone who, you know, went to the gym or had any level of fitness or any desire to have any level of fitness. Uh, I, I just, I really was scared and overwhelmed by the thought of triathlon, particularly the swimming, because I had never been a swimmer. You know, I, I wasn't on swim team. I knew how to stay afloat, Mm -hmm. but I, I didn't really know how to freestyle or how to breaststroke or, you know, I kind of did that little mermaid swim and the little doggy paddle kind of thing. Right. So, and the thought of being in open water really, made me feel incredibly nervous. Like there would be no way I would ever do that. Right. So, and just for people who aren't big swimmers, open, the open water means like not a pool, like you're in a, some pool, sort of right. natural a, body of water. Yes. Usually a bay, an ocean or a, a lake mm-hmm. or in Philadelphia, they had a race. It's in like the Schuylkill river, which is a very large river that runs through Philadelphia. Yeah. So something that's not a pool. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and a triathlon, for those who don't know, it's a it's a race that is comprised of three events. You start off with a swim, then you immediately transition into a bike ride of various lengths. All of these are various lengths depending on the the distance of the race. Mm-hmm. And then you get off your bike and you start to run. <laughs> Which so sounds insane. <laughs> yeah, right? I know. So I'm like, why are these people even wanting to do this? Just run on your little treadmill and do your, you know, your aerobic workout and your crunches on your bedroom floor. And like, what's the point of doing all this? So I was very intimidated. And I was so, so that you were right. Like all your friends, all my friends and neighbors, the entire town, like every woman and girl between the age of 13 and like 75 was joining this tri club. And I'm just flabbergasted by this. And I was so intrigued. I I didn't want to do one at first. Mm -hmm. So first year or two that the tri club was, was kicking off and just sort of kicking butt and taking names. I I was not remotely interested, but I was the psychologist in me was very interested in the why. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how the book was born. The book was like I wanted to investigate what makes people want to do this because 
at especially at this stage in their life, the mean age of our tri club, which is called the Mullica Hill Women's Tri Club, is 44. Most of the women are in their 40s and 50s, and I and and many of the women when they started had young kids. They'd have to get babysitters, or they'd have you know middle school and teenage kids. A lot of them had careers and were balancing all this. And I was thinking, wow, it just seems like an odd time to want to swim, bike, and run, like, and train, <laughs> and jump in the ocean off of a ferry in Cape May, and all these other crazy things that people were doing. Um, so I, I went into it with an investigative sort of thing, and I, I did end up getting a little bit sucked into the madness, and, uh, <laughs> and did end up starting to run, which I always thought I hated, and I ended up realizing I actually love running. So... Mm-hmm. Running became my thing. And then I ran for a couple years and started to do some races. And then finally I realized I, I just have to do this try. Like I just, I just have to for me. And so then I taught myself to swim and I, and I bike. But yeah, it was nothing originally that I wanted to do. And one of the re- main reasons I think I did it, I'll say like I did it for the book or I did it for myself eventually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I didn't realize I needed to do it for myself till I really got closer to the end. But You just see, I had this image in my head that a a female triathlete was this size two, chiseled, you know, had been athletic all her life. Right, an Olympian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's what I realized with this tri club and then talking to so many female tri clubs and triathletes across the country that I interviewed for my book and for my research was that there are all shapes and sizes. It is every woman's sport. It truly is. There's, there's just, you're never too big, too small, too old, too young, too out of shape, you know, too this, too that. You, if, there, if you go to a race, you will see someone like you and everything in between. So I think for a lot of females, it's, it's intimidating. You hear triathlon and you say, oh yeah, okay, that's not happening. Um, and you can make up a million and one excuses because we all can. Yeah. And but I think a lot of it boils down to just feeling really, really intimidated, worried you're going to be, you know, not able to finish or you'll be the last one over the finish line. And every, like everyone's going to stand there and laugh at you. No, it's actually the opposite. The last person over the finish line gets <laughs> more cheers than the first person, you know. Yeah. So it's um, it's you know, we can talk ourselves out of a great many things. So, but when you, but when you see that there's so many ordinary quote, normal people that, you know, have come from all kinds of different fitness backgrounds, some who maybe never did anything their whole life and they, you know, call themselves a couch potato. And now here they are, you know, crossing the finish line of a triathlon. So I think that's really neat. And I think it's really important for women to know that there's a place for everybody. There's a place for that competitive person who really wants to challenge themselves and make a certain time, maybe stand on the podium for their age group. And the person really who just wants to finish. Yeah. finish. And the person who just wants to finish and show their, their daughter or their son or show their sister or, whoever, you know, or raise money for charity or just prove it to themselves. Uh, you know, it's there's there's so many reasons that people do triathlon and very mm-hmm. few of them will say at the recreational level I'm talking about very few will say I want to win right. you know it's it's right. really about so much more than that one of the things I found most interesting in your book is that you talked about the beginning of triathlon as a sport um, because we don't get to talk that much in this day and age about how sports uh, begin uh, and in your book you talk about 
like the almost casual way that triathlon started. Can you talk a little bit about where the sport came from and how it evolved? Yeah, so it was. So triathlon is actually a, a pretty young sport when when you think about all the sports and, and their history. The first official triathlon is generally recognized to be the one that was held in Mission Bay, California in 1974. And it was this real like loosey-goosey, like it wasn't you know, the guys who put it on had no race directing experience. It was kind of like thrown together. Uh, you know, it was just sort of what three things can we put together to make this fun? And the people who participated in it, it was like on a random Tuesday or Wednesday night in the evening. They weren't swimmers and they weren't bikers, really. They were they were runners. So it was it was a race that was put on by the San Diego Track Club, which is still in existence today. And what was interesting as well was, you know, at that time, women were uh, banned from, like, running marathons and, you know, endurance sports. So it was, it was you know, pre-Title IX. So. Which I think for a lot of our listeners, they won't be familiar with that at all. Because if you're younger, you just grew up in a time where women were welcome in any sport. Uh, but it really hasn't been that long. It hasn't. No. I mean, when you think about it, I think that, you know, the marathon didn't debut for, for women Gosh, oh, I'm trying to remember the date. Well, the it might have been like the late 90s, I think. Um, but yeah, you know, the, but women were 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 not welcome into marathon. They weren't running the marathon or or anything over 800 meters in the Olympics until I think like 1928. So yeah, so so women were you know they were kind of discouraged from being in in endurance sports, but triathlon was interesting because it never really discouraged that. So there were a mix of men and women who came to that first triathlon in 1974, and it was kind of just like swimming and biking and and running and in, in all different orders. And, you know, you got out, you swam, and then you biked, and no one really had a bike or knew what to do. So, you know, they were just kind of goofing around on these beach cruisers and and it got dark. So they had to shine the car headlights out on the water for because the swim was like at the beginning, but then also at the end, it was this really weird hodgepodge course. And they all just had a great time. And I think when I started getting into the triathlon community a little more, what I realized was these are just people who really want to have fun. And they, they kind of, you know, it's, it's just a, a quirky and a cool way sort of bunch. And certainly at that first triathlon, there was there was a lot of that going on, the personalities of the triathletes. And they all thought it was a, a ton of fun. And, you know, I don't know if Mission Bay continued after that, but a few years after that was the first Ironman, four years later in 1978. And that's the one everyone usually thinks of when they think of triathlon. They think of the Ironman. That's the 140.6 mile uh, race, uh, triathlon right. race that right. occurs a race that ends in on the big island in Hawaii. <laughs> so in Kona, mm-hmm. and uh, of course there are much smaller, shorter distance triathlons than that. So nobody should get confused. And if they, if their friend says, "Hey, do you want to do a triathlon?" Don't don't think they're necessarily talking about the Ironman. I think you know Ironman is what makes a lot of people who don't know that much about triathlons intimidated because thinking about a race that's like that many miles long and ends in running a marathon. I mean, that just seems like a thing that's totally out of reach for someone like me. Um, but reading your book, I was totally surprised. There are like 
it seems like there are hundreds of different kinds of triathlons and lengths of triathlons and things like that. So there's really a range, right? Oh yeah. And most beginners start with the, what's called a sprint or a super sprint distance, which is absolutely doable. It might not seem doable when you think about it, especially if you've never run a 5k before, you haven't gotten in the water and you know, 500 yard swim or quarter mile swim seems really daunting, but it is extremely doable for the average everyday person. Uh, they just need to get a little training and have a whole heck of a lot of belief in themselves and, and, and anyone really can do it. And then you can gradually work your way up to the different distances. If you really find that you enjoy it and you want to add more and more challenges. Mm -hmm. But it seems like it is, does have like really accessible access points. Like the, what, how long was the triathlon that you did, uh, in the book? So mine was a, a quarter mile swim, which is the equivalent of if you're in a regular sized, um, 25 meter pool, that would be up, up. Like if you did a length, it would be about 19 lengths. Mm -hmm. So 19 lengths of a, of a standard size lap pool. And then the bike was 12 miles mm -hmm. and the run was a 5k, which is 3.2 miles. So right. really, really quite doable for, for someone. It, it's a very achievable sort of distance. And there are some where the run is only two miles and the swim is in a swimming pool. You can find triathlons where you can do a pool swim. Mm -hmm. If you really just can't like get, get your head around getting into the open water and they can be anywhere from nine laps of the pool to, to a full, you know, 17 or 19. And then, you know, and a, and a 10 mile bike ride. So you can, those are called super sprints. So you can find them even shorter. Most entry level triathlons are sprint triathlons. And if you find an all female one or one that's very newbie friendly, you know, the course is nice and flat. They have swim angels, you know, out there on the swim course. They have people that help you if your bike gets a flat tire that will come out and change your tire. So they, there's a lot of race support. And so those are the best kind for a newbie to do or somebody who feels, you know, very intimidated about doing it, you can find a race where you absolutely will be successful. Yeah. And it seems like, um, there's been a, a, a huge growth in triathlons in the last, you know, 40 years that the sport has been around. I mean, from what you said, even just like with the size of your club, like in your small town, you're now up to like, you know, or, you know, 900 members or something like that. Does that reflect the growth of the sport overall? Yeah, absolutely. It does. So what I found was that my tri club in my little town of Mullica Hill was really a microcosm for what was happening on a national as well as global level it, with women coming to the sport. You know, one time women were representing 55% of the newcomers to the sport and there is a big push from the Ironman, uh, Women for Try is is a, a organization right now uh, that's really trying to attract more women into the sport. And you saw it with running. You know, now there's this huge feminization of running. You know, it used to be that males dominated the running world, and now well over half of the runners at, who race and also run just on their own recreationally are women. Mm -hmm. so, so I'm a I'm a, a very uh, very slow half marathoner. Uh, and I was looking at some information recently about, uh, who is running half marathons and the same thing is reflected there. Like tons oh. and tons of women are running half marathons. Interestingly, they're running them younger than men are. Um, women tend to like their curve 
on the chart tends to start going down around the time that uh, it seems like they're not. Yeah, that the men went up, and it seems like a lot of women, like at the age that women aren't running as many half marathons, it seems like more of them are running triathlons. So that's interesting to me as someone who's like in my early 30s looking at like, I wonder what the next like 10 to 15 years of my like athletic life is going to look like. It's like, yeah, like there's something to look forward to maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, running is actually kind of like a gateway sport into other sports. So a lot of people start out with running and they either get bored or they get injured. And women are a little more predisposed to getting injuries like with knees and hips, just how our body aligns than, than men. But running is the hardest on your body out of, you know, the swim, bike, run, trio with triathlon. So sometimes you find that people, you know, need to take a short break from running. Sometimes people just want to challenge themselves with something else. Sometimes they are nursing a nagging overuse injury and they'll still, they'll get in the pool instead, or, you know, and then they'll start to get on the bike. And so then triathlon often just transpires from that. And sometimes, you know, you do your half marathon, then you do your marathons, and then you go to different marathons and try to challenge yourself with more strenuous races. And then at some point, you know, some people, they just want to keep looking for another and another challenge. So triathlon, you know, can provide that for them. It's a little more adventure, a little more challenge. And, um, and definitely the cross training is, is amazing because you really are working every part of your body from head to toe. And so, you know, some people like that aspect of it as well. Yeah. I mean, that's really appealing to me. Um, I'm currently dealing with like a hip situation mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I've done five half marathons very slowly, but I did them. Hey, uh, you did and, them. Yeah. And so when I was reading your book, I was like, Oh, interesting. So I could do something that would have the same sort of feeling of accomplishment. And maybe at this point, even more so because it would be something new and include sports that I'm not as comfortable with, but it would actually put less stress on my like running parts. <laughs> yeah, it does, but it'll, it'll keep you a better runner. So one trainer that I interviewed for the book said to me, you don't run, you don't need to run as much as you think you need to run. So the majority of running injuries occur, uh, from overuse over, over training. And you don't, and it's not necessarily that you think you're overtraining or you're trying to overtrain. It just can happen because people don't need to run as much as they think they need to run. Um, so if you really nail, like if you really get a high intensity bike workout and you're really working hard in the pool, you know, you could go out and run a couple of times a week and, and not need to log on all these hours or just doing all these interval trainings with, with running. You can back that off a little bit. And sometimes that just extends your, your longevity in the sports is I think, you know, people who do endurance sports, you know, they want to do them for a good long time. You know, they don't want, you know, they enjoy it. They get a lot of enjoyment out of it and it brings a lot of health benefits into their lives because when you're doing that and then you're making healthier choices when you're eating. And so then your overall health is better and you're, you know, it's just makes your mood better. You know, you're more positive and it lifts up your mood. So yeah. So you don't, you don't want to have your athletic quote career end before it, you know, especially, really yeah, especially if, like you said, so much of it is social. I mean, I think, oh, yeah. um, even if you're training alone for something, it can feel really, um, depressing if something stops your training, like an injury. Um, and, uh, if there's a social element too, and all of a sudden you feel like you can't participate in that social group, especially if, like you said, it's like every, everyone, you know, <laughs> um, and I think, uh, you know, having a sport 
with all the different components um, and also all these different points of access, whether you're really experienced or whether you're really new, um, the chance that you're going to be able to like stay involved seems higher. And that seems like a really like huge mental health benefit. Yeah, it really is because, you know, we do better when we are in community with each other and some people don't have that. Like you're in New York, you're never alone. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me about it. (laughs) But, you know, people who live in more suburban or more rural areas or just even in the suburbs, you know, just the, there's, there's not as much feeling of community. You know, you'll hear stories about how neighborhoods aren't like the neighborhoods they were, you know, decades ago where everybody's, you know, having block parties and, and looking out for each other, you know, sometimes you don't even talk to your neighbors. Mm -hmm. Um, so, so it's a nice way to build community and women in particular do a lot better when they feel affiliated, they feel a sense of belongingness, they feel a sense of connection. There's opportunity to mentor and to be mentored. Uh, you know, some, some of my greatest triathlon races, not that I've done all that many, a small handful. I enjoy it more when I'm helping somebody else get through it, who it's their first triathlon. Mm-hmm. I, I like that, you know, so that's what connects for me. Cause for me, I don't, I mean, when I'm going to, I'm going to come in like 135th place, you know, whatever, I'm right. like right in the middle of the pack. But if I can be part of someone else's journey, that's, that makes that race really special for me. So yeah, there's so, there's so many collateral benefits to, to triathlon. I have seen people transform their bodies. I've seen, you know, just people turn their health around and that is an appeal to triathlon. But I think what keeps people staying in it is, is this sense of community bonding, belongingness, f- fr- uh, friendship, fun. It's kind of weird, but triathlon is sort of fun. You know, <laughs> That's what daddies are always telling time. me about exercise. I guess I'll believe it yeah. eventually. It's like a, lo- it's like a love hate. And it's a, it's a, it's a, it's like a legitimate excuse. You know, it's one thing to say, Oh, I'm going to go out and get my nails done or go shopping for three hours on a Sunday morning. But if you say, I'm going to a race with my friends, you know, then it's like, Oh, it feels like more legitimate. Like, you <laughs> right. You're, you know, you're doing something really cool and hard and, uh, and, you know, impressive and you're going to come home with a medal. Right. In some ways it's almost just like giving ourselves permission to take that time for ourselves. It really um, is. I think it especially, really um, you know, for women who, uh, might be, uh, a little older than I am, have kids. I think, you know, I get the sense that it gets even harder to, um, justify to yourself taking time away from, uh, those commitments and those, you know, relationships. Um, but it seems like it's really important. It is important. And I do feel, I think you're absolutely right for a lot of women once they start, you know, if, if they decide to start a family, uh, and, and they, they start needing to juggle lots more things, they, they can start to lose themselves and lose, you know, I know, you know, I worked, I worked with my two first kids and then I stayed home after the birth of my third. And then I had a fourth shortly after that. And I loved staying at home. I'm still at home. But in addition, I did feel like I kind of lost my way a little bit and I was doing for everyone else and I wasn't doing anything just for me. And I felt guilty at the mere thought of doing something just for me. But what I realized when I forced myself to do this triathlon, which, you know, initially was just an idea to be part of the book, that I would have this experiential piece to the book, but ended up being something that really changed my life for the better was I, 
it, it did impact my kids. I have four girls. It did impact my girls to, for my girls to see me actually go out and take time for myself, value my health, value myself. It, I was rejuvenated. I could come home. I could be a better mom. I could be, you know, a really positive role model, not just because I was, you know, getting myself physically in better shape, but also just, I was doing things that made me scared. I was doing things that made me feel embarrassed. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's embarrassing. You don't know how to swim and you get in the pool and you're like looking like a fool in front of everyone. <laughs> halfway across the lane. You know, like it's humbling. It's so humbling. And, you know, to not, to, to, to do something, even though I knew I wasn't going to win, mm-hmm. you know, cause kids, you know, they think, well, if I'm not going to win, why even bother doing it? You know, no, Absolutely. You, you, you do it to be part you, you run your own race, you know, you, you, you do your own, you, you set your own goals, you reach your own goals and it's, it's you against you. It, no, nobody else matters. They're all running your, their own race. You're running your race. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm curious about your club and about clubs in general, because I've never been part of an athletic club, but I know they exist for running and it seems like it's a bit part of the um, triathlon community. So can you tell me a little bit more about sort of what, what your, how your club functions and what the club, uh, landscape looks like in general? Yeah. So I did talk to a bunch of other all-female tri clubs in the area. So my club does feel very special, but what I realized is a lot of these clubs offer the same things. So they, they kind of, they're, they're really nice for educational purposes. So if you're new to the sport, you're going to find a mix of people. Some people have done a bunch of triathlons and they're going to share that knowledge with you. And you also have access. So you have access to a lot of knowledge. You also have access to things like workshops where you can learn how to fix a flat on your bike. You know, you, if you don't want to run alone or, or you don't want to bike alone, because biking can be kind of scary for some women to be out on the road with the trucks and the cars. And, you know, what if I get a flat tire? What if I'm by myself? Um, You know, it it gives you a a group of people to do that with, hopefully, if your schedules connect. Some clubs offer some childcare. I know our club was offering childcare at the lake for the open water swims. Mm -hmm. So they'd have some people there and for an extra little, like five bucks or something, some, some, college or teenage girls would watch a kid. So, so there's a lot of benefit to that. It just helps make your training a lot easier. Sometimes they'll have speakers come in and they also have a lot of social things like just parties or after you do your, your ride, you all meet at this local bar restaurant and you, you know, you get some drinks and some appetizers and you hang out all sweaty and smelly, but it's, you know, it's fun. You just (laughs) run 30 miles or whatever it was. And so I think that, you know, that can help make people connected or else, yeah, you're, you know, you just, you go out for a bike ride alone, you come home alone, you take a shower, you, you know, mm-hmm. it eat, can be isolating because you're starving and you know, whatever. So clubs really offer that support and, you know, and the support it's, it's funny because I think sometimes women have this bad reputation of being, you know, catty with each other or judgy or, you know, just kind of wanting to one up people or whatever. I don't even know. Maybe that's an old fashioned stereotype, but I found in my club and in so many talking to so many female uh, endurance athletes is everyone is so supportive. They want you to succeed. Their success is in contingent upon your failure that, that everyone can succeed. So you're not competing against your, your empowering together. And that it, it's such a positive vibe that you don't get when you're training 
alone. And I'm not, I actually trained alone a great deal, which is weird because I was in this 940, <laughs> but it was just, my schedule was just, you know, not conducive for some of the things they had. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but you don't, you don't, you don't get that experience as much. Um, if you're, if you haven't found a, a, a small group, even if it's a small group of people, it doesn't have to be a tri club. It could be, you know, you talk a few friends into it because women can talk other women into a great many things I found <laughs> both good and bad <laughs> yeah you know I mean it's like hey this this sounds like fun you want to do it with me I don't know yes you do sure I'll do it you know, it's just, <laughs> especially if there's chocolate or wine or, or some kind of something fun and bonding and silly afterwards mm-hmm. so so yeah I, I do think they're important from that aspect clubs are not for everybody but if if you are someone who just enjoys the fun the friendship building bonds, feeling a part of a community, feeling a part of something special, being able to give back to other people and be there to mentor other people and, you know, wanting to learn and grow personally and athletically, you know, they are a good thing. So if it's one in your, in your area or nearby, and if there's not, you know, like I said, just talk a few people into it and you'll have your little group and, and it it really, and it's accountability too, I'm sure. You guys talk about that a lot, you know, mm-hmm. with just being having an accountability partner. Yeah. And like we always say on the show, whenever we're talking about like finding a group or joining a thing, um, we always say like, go check it out and feel out the vibe. And if yeah. you are into it and you get excited by being there and it seems like the people who are running it really know what they're doing, then like go for it. If you go to your local club and it feels like, oh, like, I, I don't feel good here, yeah. then like yeah. get out of there. Like you, you it's not, uh, trust your gut on like what it feels like. Like, it seems like you describe in the book, your experience of going to the first meeting. And it seems like that's sort of what tipped you over into doing your first triathlon. Yeah, I, I, it did because I originally thought, well, I'm not athletic and I'm, I'm not going to fit in and I'm, you know, I'm not this and I'm not that. And I don't, have all this money to buy on this fancy bike with clip-in shoes and all this apparel. And, but then, you know, you, you put yourself in a lot of it's like your preconceived notion of what it is Mm -hmm. and we can talk ourselves out of it. But sometimes, sometimes we show up and we, we realize, Oh wow, we were completely wrong. And, and you know, the people are real people and you can, you can find other people that are like you and in your same situation and, I, so that that is what I found there, and that the energy was palpable at that at that meeting. I mean, there were like four hundred and some odd women <laughs> speaking. It was like, I mean, I'm not talking like we were in a little room. Like it was enormous, and so some of it is just like, wow, this is kind of fun. Like everyone's here. <laughs> yeah, totally. So, what did that look like for you from the point where you first? sort of got involved with the club to completing your first triathlon. I think you had some like running races at the beginning that you sort of used to like convince yourself that it was possible. Yeah. yeah. I, I started out with running cause it felt the less least threatening cause I didn't know how to swim and I didn't own a bike and I didn't want to buy a bike cause I'm cheap. So <laughs> really no around it. And so I, I did, I started with running and I, well, it took me uh, almost two years just to go to that kickoff meeting. And then I joined the club and then I just kind of ran maybe for another year or two. It felt, it felt like a long time <laughs> before I actually said, you know what, I'm going to do this triathlon. I did the triathlon in 2014. And so it was very a very, very slow progression up to the point where I finally said, you know what, 
I'm going to do this. And this is the tip that I have for, for anyone who's new to triathlon is try curious and thinks they might want to do it. Sign up for a Don't wait until you're ready to sign up for a race, sign up for the race and then get yourself ready because it's something about paying that 80, 90, a hundred dollars to me, you know, and making that commitment. I'm telling everybody I sign up for the, that, that nothing will motivate you more than just realizing you have a deadline. You wrote something on the calendar. You paid all that money. You're, you're doing it. You're totally. not yeah. yeah, the fir- my first half marathon, I the furthest I'd ever run in like a race before signing up for the half marathon was 800 meters. Uh, and I just like, I signed up. I mean, I'd, I'd run a little further than that, like casually, but I'd never yeah. raced farther than that. So I signed up. I like got a training plan. I trained all by myself because I was too embarrassed to train with anyone else. And I ran what is still like the fastest time I've ever run. Uh, So, you know, I think that's totally true though. Like, uh, I'm not saying don't train, but I'm saying like, don't wait until you're trained to sign up. I would agree. Like sign up and then train. Definitely train. Like don't go in cold. I mean, that's the, that's the other thing is, you know, yeah, you sign up, you don't, but if you wait to be ready, it's like always saying, Oh, I'll start on Monday, mm-hmm. you know, with your diet or whatever lifestyle change you want to make. I mean, it'll never happen. You'll just keep pushing it off and pushing it off. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you sign up for that race and then, yeah. And you do have to train. You don't have to, you probably don't have to train as much as you think you have to train. Cause what happens with a lot of women when they're new to the sport is they get a excited and or B really nervous. And when you get really nervous, you want to over-prepare. I do that whenever I have to public speak. I don't like public speaking. Everybody's looking at me. So podcasts are better. <laughs> but, but, you know, as well, over, over, over-prepare. That works as long as I don't blow a tonsil out or something, you know, or strain my voice. But with, with endurance, it, it, it can backfire because then you'll, you'll start to get, you know, overuse injuries and, and, and end up, you know, being running or participating in a race hurt or not even be able to do it. So you do want to be prepared. But I think for things like triathlon and longer distance running, like half marathons and marathons, a lot of it is just the mental hurdles you have to get over that exist in your own head. Cause we all have them and it's all the mental prep, not just the mental prep of, let me think about all the things I have to do. Cause triathlon, it's like all complicated cause you have the different transition areas and you got to set up your bike. You got to get out of the pool and get up or lake, get on the bike and the helmet and this, that, and drive your feet and get in your shoe. You know, it's this whole rigmarole mm-hmm. running. You just run and you keep running and then you drink <laughs> some water and then you run more and you know, it's nice and simple, which is why I love it. So but it's really just the fears, the intimidations, the the negative self-talk we have in our head. I mean, with triathlon in particular, because there are three different sports and at least one is going to intimidate you or flat out scare you, for most people it's the swim. You know, it, it's that it's that head game. It's just really getting yourself so confident and, and ready and just saying positive things that will help get you through it. Totally. Well, so you mentioned, you've already mentioned a couple of things that I think are big challenges for someone who is just getting started. Um, one is the time that it takes to train and one is the cost. Um, Mm -hmm. like you said, like you didn't have a bike, um, and bikes, even just normal bikes can be expensive, let alone like a racing bike. Um, so can you talk a little bit about how you handled both the sort of time issue and the cost issue? Yeah, those are big intimidating factors. And so even if you're not scared of the triathlon or you feel like you're in a good enough fitness to get through it, 
there are these time commitments because you're not just training for one thing, you're training for three different events. And then there's the cost. Triathlon is, you know, sort of known as a more expensive sport. And most of that expense does go into the bike. So if I, the way I got around it was I borrowed a bike from somebody. So especially if you're in a a community of triathletes, whether it's a tri club or whether, you know, there's just you find people who are doing triathlon in your town, you oftentimes will have multiple bikes, which is just kind of weird to me because, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to buy multiple bikes, but some people do. And, or they have their daughter's bike or they're not racing on this bike, so they'll give it. So I just rode on a hybrid. I wasn't willing to invest in a, in a really higher end, you know, carbon light race bike. Mm-hmm. And my advice would also be, to people, you know, even if they're going to buy a bike, you know, maybe not invest in that really expensive tricked out bike until you know, you're going to love it. Right. I mean, we say the same thing about running gear all the time. We're saying like you could spend a bajillion dollars on things for working out. And the truth is you can buy like a sports bra at Marshall's and some leggings and you're fine. So like start... Yeah, don't let the the most don't let the optimal version get in the way of the version that allows you to actually do it. Absolutely. You're so right. I mean, nowadays with like Target and Marshall, like you were saying, just you don't have to go to a high end sporting goods store if you want to and you're into that and you love that fashion component, you know, go for it. You know, if that makes it fun for you, absolutely. But if this is something if you're a little more conscious of money, then there there are absolutely I I started running in like a baggy cotton t shirt. I look like such a novice, you know. <laughs> I was like so, you know, it was like my husband's shirt or something with like old sneakers that I had like for 10 years, but they were totally new because I never used them. And, you know, I just, I just went out and ran. I didn't go out immediately and buy a Garmin watch and all the, you know, the paraphernalia. But as I got more into it, I bought, you know, things with wicking and nicer clothes. I only bought one pair of bike shorts. I didn't need a whole, you know, arsenal of bike shorts. You want that padding. Mm-hmm. And you definitely want a pair of sunglasses. And I did invest in a tri suit. And my club offered it for a discount. It was still around $90 or so. But it's something that you race in. So you don't have to, like, worry about changing. Well, you can't change. There's, like, no nudity on the course. (laughs) But, you know, you got to... It's just it's just weird. If you don't have a tri suit, it just gets like a lot more complicated. As you can see, I'm all about not complicating things. Totally, like life is complicated enough. So, but you just you swim in it, you bike in it, and you run in it. So it has a little bit of padding for the the bike. It's totally waterproof and like dries quickly for the swim, and there's no drag. And then you know you can run in it just fine. So that's like an investment. So I would invest in something like a tri suit over buying a really high end bike. And, and you don't really need anything else. You need a good pair of shoes. A good pair of shoes is going to cost you about a hundred bucks, maybe 120 max. Uh, you want to go to a good running store, get it fitted because you want to, you want them to tell you how you pronate, how your arch is. Cause if you get in the wrong pair of shoes, you're going to hurt yourself. So that is really, I got a good pair of shoes. I got my tri suit and, you know, bought a couple shirts and called it a day. That's really all I needed. Once you decided that you were, you had signed up for the try, how long, how many weeks was your training period between when you signed up and when you actually did the race? I think I signed up on April Fool's Day, which was (laughs) really ironic. And, um, so I, 
I probably started swimming in April, and the triathlon was at the very end of June. So I, I had already been a runner. So the running part, I, the most I had run was 10 miles. So I, the running part was fine. And so I, it took a couple months to with the swimming and the bike. You know, honestly, I got on the bike like three weeks before <laughs> the race, literally. And I didn't know how to change a flat. Uh, so I was, but the cool, you know, this, this triathlon is like super newbie friendly and there's just support all along the course. Not every triathlon has that some, they won't change your flat. You have to know how to change your flat. So you just, you just have to know and research and pick the right race for you. I also knew this, this race was, you know, a flat run and, you know, just, just a quote, easy course. I'm going to say it was easy, but you know, wasn't a, a super challenging course. Right. Um, so, yeah, so the bike, you know, I just kind of biked the loop. The triathlon was, like, practically right in my backyard, so mm-hmm. I was able to actually bike the actual loop, and I was able to swim in the same lake where the race was held. So that was really nice. Not everyone has the opportunity to do that, but I was able to do that because it was a race put on by my tri club in my Town. That's what I did for my first half marathon too. Oh. I live right by Prospect Park in Brooklyn and I signed up for oh. the Brooklyn half. So I did like almost all of my training in the park. Um, yeah. and like, you know, totally not necessary. Like you can definitely do it if you haven't trained in the place where you're going to race. Yeah. But it certainly gave me like a feeling of confidence. Like I've seen this hill before. I know what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have yeah. at least some idea of what to expect. You, you do, and I, and, I, and I think that's a good point that you made, that you don't have to train in the exact place, but you do have to get out there and train. So a lot of people, they'll think, well, I do spin classes, and I'm on the stationary bike, and I'm, you know, I'm really good, and I feel really strong. You, ha- you have to get on the road running, riding with at least a couple other people before race day because it is a real different experience being on the road with turns and gravel and other people and they're passing you and you need to know road etiquette like when you pass you always pass on the left and you yell on your left and you know just simple things like that and learning how to shift gears which you know you don't have to do on a stationary bike and open water swim so even if you swam all your life and you were on swim team and you were this really strong swimmer even the strongest of swimmers, you'd be amazed at how many people start to panic in open water. And it's a combination of having um, a start where there's a lot of people around you. There's a lot of splashing. You might get, you know, a leg or a foot, you know, kind of bumps into you. And so there's a little bit of jostling, which is completely normal. But if you've never experienced that, and then maybe, you, you know, you get a little water in your mouth and your heart's racing because you just went from standing on the beach or the shore to, to going in the water, like the panic just kind of comes. Yeah. I feel like my heart rate is elevated like, right now. Just talking about it. <laughs> it is. It's such, it's, it's, it's so common to tri- to triathletes. And what's nice about the triathlon community is everyone talks about it, which is great because they're not talking about it to freak you out. They're talking about it because it is such a reality. And there's so many uh, ways to prepare yourself for that and to get yourself through it. So it, it shouldn't be a deterrent, but you should, every triathlon race, you should know, there's a high likelihood I might panic. So I'm going to do every mental strategy and every physical strategy I can to make sure I'm successful. And one of those ways is 
getting in open water at least once before your very first triathlon race. Mm -hmm. And that's really important. And I know it's hard. It's easier for some people than others, depending on your schedule, your logistics, what you have available to, to you. But if you can, it's, it's very important. Yeah. I think, um, one thing I didn't, had never thought about reading your book is that there's sort of an equivalent in swimming to something that I always told myself about running, which is one of the ways I kept myself from panicking about, running longer distances is to say like, I can always slow down. I can always slow down. And with the swim, you talked a few times in the book about like turning over and floating on your back as sort of like the swimming equivalent of that. And I think I was like, Oh, that's so helpful just to know. I may never have to do it, but just to know that if I freak out or get some water in my nose or whatever, I can just turn over and float. Like just flip on your back. Yeah. Or you side stroke or you, but whatever it is you do, but you, a lot of people go on their back. A lot of people just to even regroup Mm -hmm. or even just if you find yourself in a crowd and you just want to like wait until it thins out, you know, so you're not going to like a kick in the face or something. I make it sound more violent than it is, but there is a little, there is like, like a lot of commotion, right? you know, at the, at the beginning of most triathlon swims. Ours is nice, the queen of the hill that we do in Mall Kill, because it's a staggered start. Literally one woman jumps in at a time off the dock, like in a line, you stand in a line. So that really reduces a lot of that sort of thing and decreases the anxiety. But yeah, you always can flip on your back. There, I interviewed a woman, she did the, enti- she does the entire swims on her back. She does the backstroke the whole time because she has this paralyzing fear of putting her face in the water. So she found a way around it. You know, you can be creative. You can totally. be very, you, all you have to do is get around that swim loop. Yep. You, it doesn't matter how you do it. You can doggy paddle. You can do whatever you want. You just can't have fins or flotation device, but you, you can do it. There, it doesn't have to look pretty. You just have to get yourself around. You get up, you go on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So you did all this preparing over years and all this research and you finally did your first try. Was it a good experience? It was a amazing experience. It was, it was ranked right up there with one of the proudest moments of my life. It was, it was really transformative and I hadn't expected it to be so much. And so it kind of surprised me at mm-hmm. how, how amazing it was. There's a real ripple effect when you, I call it like a finish line feeling. And it happens when you do some, when you do some kind of race that you never in a million years thought you could ever do. For some people, it might be a 5k. You know, for some people it might be their half marathon, their marathon, it might be a triathlon, whatever it is. When you cross that finish line and you just prove to yourself that you did the very thing that you never, ever in a million years thought you could ever do. You didn't believe in yourself. It is, there's not even any words to describe it. It transforms something inside of you that you carry with you longer than that day. That doesn't wear off. I mean, the euphoria wears off, you know, right. in a few hours. But you walk around with a little piece of you. It's like a ripple effect that suddenly feels stronger. Um, you have more faith in yourself. You believe in yourself, your self-esteem, your resilience, because you've just done something really hard. So I think like marathons and triathlons are really just a colossal, you know, metaphor for life Mm -hmm. because life is filled with hills and valleys 
um, your best laid plans, all your mental preparation of what you, how you think the race is going to go, just like how you think life is going to go. It doesn't always work out. In fact, rarely it does. So you have to learn how to have a plan, but be flexible when that plan gets blown to heck <laughs> in a race or in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to rely on other people for support, just like in real life. But ultimately, you have to get yourself through it. It's you and you alone. And, you know, I had the tri club. I had the support of my husband, of my kids, of my friends. But at the end of the day, all the cheers and all that you can do this and, oh, do you want me to stay with you and swim with you and whatever it was, all that, I had to do it alone. And so it's, it's kind of neat because no one can do it for you. Yeah. And, you know, in the moments where you give up, you know, you have that moment where you're like, I could give up and I could walk away right now. Why am I even doing this? You know, that happened to me multiple times through my training. And, you know, just to know that you stick with it, I think that just translates into how you approach everyday life. So I do think, you know, that part more than physically being able to say, hey, I was strong enough and conditioned enough to do a triathlon. That emotional part was really what I what changed my life for forever and for the better. And it and, sounds like you think that's, you know, had an effect on the rest of your family also that the way so, that you um, the pride that you had in yourself and the work that you put in sort of rippled outwards even within your family. Yeah. And I think mostly it was just facing your fears and doing things that you not necessarily were going to do extremely well, but you could do it and enjoy it and have fun with it. Mm -hmm. That definitely rippled into my kids and, and, you know, my, you know, my girls, they're, they're, you know, they're not like these crazy adventurous kind of girls, but I think seeing me do that made them come out of their shells a little more and try to try new things like, you know, try out for a speaking part in their little chorus, you know, in third grade or whatever, or, or, you know, try out for the soccer team that they didn't think they'd be good enough to make. And, and they started running little five K's and things like that. So that I, I do feel like that I liked that they were able to see me do that. And they were able to find that in themselves at a young age. Cause I don't know that I had that. I mean, personally, I didn't have that at a young age. I was always the one that played it safe and never wanted to try anything new and didn't think I really, you know, had the talent or the ability to do too much of anything. And so I, you know, it it only took me 45 years. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm kind of glad that, you know, they're, they're, they're starting that early, but yeah, it's so important because I, I definitely feel in myself and I think it's pretty common, the, um, fear of doing something that might not go well. Um, whether it's in, you know, asking for a raise or, um, you know, putting oneself out there in your romantic life or just like, you know, I'm also an actor and a comedian. So auditioning is, you know, Mm. over and over putting myself in a position where like, I'm probably going to quote unquote fail. Um, but I think it's similar to, um, you know, what you were describing with triathlons, which is that like the goal isn't to win. The goal is to, um, you know, be there and do your best and, uh, you know, have the work that you did pay off and you might come in, you know, last, but that person gets the loudest cheers and like, it's still valuable to do it even if you don't win. I think that's such, it's a a lesson that we have to teach ourselves over and over. And, you know, the earlier that we can be introducing 
younger people, whether they're our kids or, you know, kids in our lives to that idea, I think is great. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's so great. It's all about the journey and, and it's, it's not the finish line. It's, it's, it's the, it's the journey and all the things you learned on that journey. And even if it's a quote failure, like you were saying, like you didn't get the time you got, or you didn't get the gig you wanted, or you didn't get the raise you wanted it, it all, it, it just all adds to your experience and it becomes woven into the tapestry of who you are. And it's it's just, you know, it, it makes you learn and take different paths and learn what not to do next time and what to do next time. And yeah, and it's really neat. And then when you can be a part of someone else's journey, which often happens in racing and triathlon, then you're like paying it forward, which is such a which is a cool thing. And I think that's why women are pulling other women into the sport. It's not just for that companionship and like, Oh, I don't want to do this alone and make a fool out of myself. By myself. <laughs> Let me pull this person too. There might be a small amount of that actually. But, um, but really it's, it's, it's about like, it's so rewarding when you grow, you just want to, you just want to like instill that in someone else as well and be, be part of that for them. Yeah. So you did this triathlon. It's have you, did you do any other triathlons since then? Yeah. So I swore I would be one and done, which everyone in the tri club, no one's ever one and done. You cross that finish line. You're <laughs> I was like, no, won't be me. I'm going to be one and done. And I, I did it. And I thought, you know, I didn't immediately go home and sign up for more races, which a lot of people do. They get super excited and they just want to do more and more and more. But I thought I would do that again. Like that was cool. I would maybe do queen of the hill, which is the the triathlon that I did in my town. I'd do that again. to right in my, you know, I can ride my bike there. I don't even have to drive. So, so I kind of thought, you know, that was, but I wasn't itching to do one. And then it was, I did a triathlon in June and in November, um, I went for my first mammogram and there was something wrong and then I had to get a biopsy and all this stuff. Anyway, a couple weeks before Christmas, so just a few months after I did the triathlon, I got diagnosed with breast cancer and it was weird because I wanted to find out when I would be done all my, my whole course of treatment, which involves surgery and radiation. And I was going to be done in early May. And the first thing I said is, oh, good, I'm going to celebrate by doing a triathlon. <laughs> and it's so weird because I would never think those words would come out of my mouth. But it was, you know, I don't know, it was something symbolic. It, it was the first thing that came to my head is just commemorating. I was going to celebrate having my health back, having all this nonsense behind me. And, and I'm going to do this to just prove to myself that I'm, I'm back in the game and, and all that's behind me. So I did, I ended up doing two, I I finished my treatment in May and I did two triathlons in June. And then last year I did a duathlon, which is when you run and then you bike and then you run. It just takes the swim out altogether, which is my favorite uh, thing to do because <laughs> my biggest nemesis. So I'm all like, sign me up. The more running, the better um, I'm in. So I really do love duathlons and I hurt my knee this season, so I'm not going to be doing any racing this summer, but I, I would go back and, and continue doing maybe one or two duathlons a year. Mm-hmm. I, I think they're a lot of fun. And what does your sort of non-training exercise life look like now as compared to before you started ever training for a triathlon? I assume you're not, you know, training at the level that you would for a race when you're not yeah, racing. No. no, I'm not. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Um, I, I love running. So I really, I run 
mostly. And it, I will go on the record saying that's that's not good because you need if you're a runner, you also need to strength train and you need to do something like yoga or you know something you, you need to support those muscles in your knees and your hips. And so if you're only running and I I do I do I do the opposite of the advice I'm giving. If you're only running, you're really setting yourself up. So I should be doing some weights and maybe throwing a swim in there every now and then, but I don't. So I would say 90% of the time I'm going out for runs Mm -hmm. and occasionally I'll go out for a bike ride and I love yoga. So I will try to do some yoga every now and then right now I'm like off the wagon completely and I'm the most out of shape ever. But, um, because I'm hurt and I'm old and stuff. Well, that's, I think that's really um, actually in some ways comforting to hear because uh, I think for people who um, are in a different place on their like fitness journey, um, you know, <laughs> they see people in their lives who do things like you know doing a triathlon or running a half marathon, and they're like, "Well, I'm never going to do that," or like, "I could never keep that up," so like, I may as well not try, or like, they're different from me because. I, you know, and then I think it's really helpful to hear like, yeah, I did this like really amazing thing. And right now I'm not doing that much. And both of those are part of the same person. And like, mm-hmm. um, Daphne always talks about how like normal eating is flexible eating and normal exercise is flexible exercise. And the truth is like most of us are going to go through different phases in our lives. So yeah. I think it's great to hear like, yeah, I did, you know, two triathlons after like recovering from breast cancer. And right now I'm not doing that much. And like both of those things are okay. Yeah, you're right. Because you got to look at the big picture of your whole life. And I, you know, not everything needs to be crammed into like a five minute increment, you know, I mean, it's it's okay. And, you know, right. you, You have times in your life where you're busy or there's a lot going on or there's a lot of stress or, or you're traveling a lot and you're, you know, whatever it is. And yeah, and you can get right, it's always there for you. I feel like triathlon running, there, it's always there for you. I'm, I'm certainly not advocating let yourself get out of shape and yo-yoing, but just giving yourself permission, being kind to yourself and, and saying, you know, there's, there's just like everything in life, there's going to be highs and lows and ups and downs and times where everything's coming together and times where everything's kind of, Falling apart. <laughs> just you're just spending a lot of time running after all the balls you were juggling. You're rolling all over. So yeah, I think that's that's everybody. Yeah, that's absolutely. Everybody. Well, I thought your book was super inspirational on one hand, and also really um, interesting and form and informative about sort of like the history and um, progression of the sport. So um, I think everybody should go out and read it. Uh, and again, it's called Women Who Try. Um, and uh, Alicia, where should people look to find you on the internet? Well, I have a website and it's uh, aliciadefabio.com. Very easy. Great. But I'm, you know, that's kind of like a static website where you can go if you want to contact me or learn more about my book. But I also have a blog called Lost in Holland. And if you just type that into the Google search, it will come up. I'll link and, to it in the show notes too. So people yeah, will be able to find it there. Oh, Thank you. And I'm also on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And it's some version of my name. I think Twitter is Alicia J. DeFabio and Instagram is Alicia DeFabio underscore author. I don't know. We'll, we'll link to all of it. Yeah, you can link to all that. Yeah, it'd make it easy for people. Mm-hmm. And where can <laughs> but, they... Uh, some version of my name. Where can they find your book? 
So my book is anywhere online that you can find any book. So barnesandnoble.com, amazon.com, from my publishing house, which is velopress.com. You can buy it from me directly at my website, aliciadefabio.com, target.com, all those all those places that you would find books, IndieBound. And then I'm also in some select Barnes & Noble bookstores and some independent bookstores and running and traveling stores across the country. So you might stumble upon it uh, somewhere in your in your travels. But if you want it right now, you know, you just get online and you can find it very easily. Awesome. And we'll link to all of those things uh, in our show notes, too, so that people can find it easily. Um, well, Alicia DeFabio, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about triathlons with us. Thanks, Joanna. It was so nice to talk to you. You too. Thanks for listening to Just One More with Joanna and Daphne. Our show is hosted by Daphne Yang and me, Joanna Shawflam. We're produced and edited by me. Our theme music is by Hannah vs. The Many, who you can hear at hannahvsthemany.com. We'll be back next week. You can make sure you don't miss an episode by subscribing to Just One More on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, or whatever you use to listen to podcasts. For show notes and for help subscribing, you can go to our website, justonemorepodcast.com. Uh, let us know what you think. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Just One More Pod, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Just One More Podcast, or you can email us at info at Just One More Podcast.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. I think we're all set. Thanks so much oh, for thanks. sticking it out and, and talking to me. And, and oh, uh, I really you. did enjoy the book. So thanks. For thank you. I'm so glad you did. And I am like convinced you're going to eventually do a try. <laughs> I think and I when am. you do, you got to tell me. I will for sure. <laughs>